Good evening, Jets fans. This is Glenn Naughton. I am joined by Harrison Glazer, one of our newer writers on JetNation.com. Sorry, it's been a little bit over a week since our last show. We had some technical issues. We weren't able to get one done earlier this week as we had hoped. So we're here with you tonight. We're going to go over um, some of Harrison Glazer's observations. He's been out of camp with us for a couple days. We're going to do uh, similar to what we did a couple shows ago because uh, we got some we got some quality feedback on it, and I think for me as a fan, if I weren't able to be out at every practice, I would want uh, as much information as possible as every guy on the roster, uh, or as many as possible. So I'll do what we did a couple shows ago. I'm going to go down the roster, 1 through 90. Um, there'll be new information on guys since last week, obviously, and there, there'll be some new guys on the roster who we didn't talk about at all. And there will be guys, as I say, we're out there. Anyone who can pretend to tell you everything about every guy is lying through their teeth. There's some guys you can't It's 90 guys spread over three fields with about 100 coaches and 100, uh, 100 folks running back and forth with water and towels. So it gets a little chaotic at times. But from what we are able to observe, we will pass along to you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, all this. See Twitter going a little bit crazy with the, the Khalil Mack situation in Oakland. We'll talk about whether or not that makes sense for the Jets. And uh, – so, as promised, um, Harrison Glazer. How are you doing, Harrison? I am doing great. Thank you for having me here, Glenn. Glad uh, to be here. Happy to have you. Glad you've been able to come out to camp with us the last couple of days and take a look at what's going on. Um, Harrison has been taking some diligent notes, and he's got uh, he's going to offer his opinion on a few players uh, based on what he's seen. Going to go down the list, and I'll I'll probably chime in a little bit here and there and agree or disagree or see where we stand on on certain players. So, what's uh, what's first on your list there, Harrison? Oh, we can start with the offensive line. <clears throat> with the starting offensive line, since uh, Kelvin Beecham has been out days, we've noticed that we've had Ben Ijolana and Brent Qualley repping in at left tackle, both doing decent jobs, holding their own, not getting beat terribly. Uh, as we know, we have James Carpenter at left guard. Has been struggling a little bit in the Bay, but they haven't gotten any sacks, so that is a positive. Uh, we have Spencer Long, as you know, the guy we acquired from the Washington Redskins. He's been healthy now. He's well. He's been doing a very good job, plugged in as our starting center. Right guard is an interesting story. As you know, we have Brian Winters plugged in there, but as you know, he hasn't been able to play, stay healthy for an entire season as of yet, and he is coming off injuries of last season. With the starters, we've seen mixed in Jonathan Harrison, who is a guard as well as a center, and we've also seen mixed in Ben Braden. The interesting thing about Ben Braden is he's actually in his second year, and he looks very good. He looks explosive. He looks very strong, hitting the bag. He looks like the kind of guy you'd want as a guard, someone who's very physical and very strong and can keep people at bay. Uh, Next to him, we have Brandon Shell. No surprises there at right tackle. With the backup line, interesting thing. We have Antonio Garcia at left tackle, but as we've been talking about, He's been a little shaky. He hasn't been able to really hold his own. He seems to get beaten a lot. He's not able to keep people at bay. He seems to be struggling very oftenly. Next to him is quite interesting. We seem to have today, as a backup left guard, we had Alex Belducci. What's interesting about him is he was actually a defensive lineman in college coming out of Oregon. But now, at left guard, he looked quite good. He looks very strong, very competent, like he's understanding the system. Uh, so guys like Balducci, 
guys like Jonathan Harrison, guys like Ben Braden. These are guys that you're going to want to keep an eye on. They look like they're coming along very well. They're picking up the system. They look comfortable. So if for some reason, God forbid, you know, something did happen to Winters or Carpenter continues to struggle, you could possibly see one of these guys plugged in. Uh, at right guard, which is interesting, we have Dakota Shepley. Dakota Shepley actually comes from Canada, college up there. And what's interesting is he had a great co- uh, Canadian combine. He put up a, close to around 35 reps at the bench press. Very, very strong guy. Same thing with our right tackle. At right tackle, the backup we have is Darius Jones. Darius Jones is another interesting prospect. Very, very big man. Kind of like James Carpenter, but he doesn't seem to be struggling at all. He seems to be plugged in very well on the right tackle. Seems to be holding his own. So we have a very interesting battle here between the linemen. Obviously, our starters are pretty set, but these backups, it seems to be very up in air on who it could be, who could be winding up making the team. And like we said, if somebody does stumble or struggles or even gets hurt, it'd be interesting to see which one of these guys gets plugged in. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the one of the encouraging things to see at this point is that Spencer Long, who the Jets signed as a free agent, um, as you said, he spent the last year or first few years of his career in Washington with the Redskins. And he uh, he's done a nice job so far with uh, – since getting a seeing his role increase a little bit early on in camp because he was coming back from that injury, they brought him along slowly, and we saw Travis Swanson, Swanson and Jonathan Harrison uh, spell spell Spencer Long for a little bit. Balducci is a, an interesting guy because the Jets brought him to camp last year, as you mentioned, D lineman out of Oregon, Chip Kelly, who was his coach in college, brought him along to San Francisco with him, where he tried to convert him to a to the offensive side of the ball. Chip didn't last long. The Jets grabbed Balducci last season, kept him around for a few weeks, let him go, and apparently, for, you know, for whatever reason, they they saw something that they liked enough. You know, sometimes it's a matter of guys. A, a team just because a team lets a guy go doesn't mean they don't think he can play. They just don't think he can play soon enough to to make a team's roster. And in a case of a guy like Balducci, it could be a situation where they say, you know, we're, we're going to let go of this guy but uh, we'll, we'll call him up next year and see how he's coming along. And apparently they liked what they saw. They brought him back in. Shepley, as you mentioned, a standout in Canada. The, uh, he ended up being the fifth overall pick in the CFL draft before deciding to come to the Jets. And it's, you know, at, at this point in camp, it's, it's a little bit tough sometimes because there's so much mixing and matching with the, with the second and third lines. Uh, you know, guys don't always get into a rhythm. But as you mentioned, and we talked earlier about the, the Brian Winter situation, I think that's why you're seeing a guy like Ben Braden, who spent last year on the practice squad, and he, he you know, obviously didn't get any reps last season. He's getting some reps with the ones this year. Whether or not he moves well enough to play in this scheme, we don't really know. And especially now, given the fact that, as I've explained on the show a few times, the perspective we have out there on the field, you're sometimes you're really limited when you're trying to look at the, the O-line and the D-line. So when you have somewhat of an obstructive view and limited reps, even though it's an increase in reps over last year, uh, you didn't really see him getting any reps with the ones last season. So he's getting more reps than before, but still not a full load and still not able to, to, to get that great perspective. But I will say, um, and I think I said it in the, the when I did the first 90-man breakdown, that he, he actually did look pretty impressive on the reps when I was able to get a good view and, and he was able to get some good push against the man he was matched up against a few times. So, James Carpenter hasn't looked in this scheme. And, you know, who knows what Garcia, you know, I tweeted out the other day that Kelvin Beecham's injury is, uh, is, is something that 
you know, luckily now we're learning it's week to week. The team expect him to be back um, to full strength by the time the season kicks off. That's a good thing because I, I feel like you can live with Ben Ajelon as your backup tackle. You can't really live with Garcia. Garcia has been um, – he, he's just been bad. You know, it's unfortunate. We all hope that he'd be a steal. And he still might be. I'm not writing the guy off after two weeks. That's premature. But uh, I haven't really seen anything from him that would, that would lead me to believe he's going he's gonna to develop into a, a pass-blocking NFL left tackle. What else you got for us? Uh, well, another offensive lineman I would also throw into that would be Travis Swanson. Also hasn't really been looking too no, great. He, he's, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's a guy when he was signed, I, I said immediately, I said, if this guy makes the roster, there's a problem. Um, you know, maybe Dennison, uh, the offensive line coach, can work some miracles with him. But when I went back and watched film of him in Detroit, he was a train wreck. And as, uh, as I said, not a, a big upgrade over Wesley Johnson. Those who feel like, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's a quality guy. I, I disagree from what I've seen. But, if you know, if they are able to somehow get him get him uh, to turn things around in a new scheme, I'm all for it. But if he's not a better player than he was last year with Detroit, I would expect to not see him around beyond, uh, well, once opening day rolls around. What else you got for us? <clears throat> um, other interesting aspects would be if you look at our current edge rushing situation. As you know, we did not address that in this current draft. So we do have a lot of young and slightly older guys that are balancing out for the position. We have guys like Obum Guachem. We have guys like Copeland, Frankie Luvu, and the list really goes on. Josh Martin, Jordan Jenkins. But a couple of guys have really stood out. And one actually, interestingly, an inside linebacker that many people kind of wrote off when they first picked him up was Neville Hewitt out of Marshall. He didn't get a lot of recognition, not a lot of credit as a pickup good the last two days in camp he seems to consistently be getting pressure on the quarterback and he also looks very good in coverage which is not the same thing for our first round pick Darren Lee in coverage so far he hasn't looked very good he's looked like he struggled he hasn't been able to stay with the receivers he doesn't track the ball very well he has been struggling so interestingly if he does continue to struggle, you could see a guy like Neville Hewitt step in, or we could even see a guy like Kevin Pierre-Louis, who unfortunately, though, the last two days, he has been sidelined due to an unknown injury. So because of that, we really haven't been able to get to see him that much. But either one of those two guys would be an excellent step-in at middle linebacker. For the edge, Hewitt uh, <clears throat> could potentially be an edge-rushing linebacker. He did get some good pressure on the quarterback. But we've seen some really good things out of guys like Frankie Luvo, who is actually a rookie out of Washington State. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses, if he turns into anything. Uh, and then we have the guys that we are familiar with, guys like David Bass, who unfortunately is also having an injury right now. So we haven't been able to see much of him. Uh, we saw a little bit of Obum Guacham, which is just very interesting because when you look at him, he just looks like a prototypical outside linebacker. He's gotten good pressure. Uh, we've seen some good things from Dylan Donahue. Uh, what's going to wind up happening with him with his legal things is another story, but he has looked quite good while he's played. Uh, we've seen good stuff from Josh Martin. So we do seem to have some interesting edge rush. We don't seem to have one person that's really stepping up to show that they want to be that main edge rusher. But all these six or seven guys I've mentioned have looked interesting to see who's going to be the guy or if possibly Bowles will try a committee approach and possibly use many of them and transfer them in throughout the game to see what happens. Yeah, I think one guy who's interesting, um, uh, I've, I've spoken about Watson quite a bit since camp kicked off, but the other guy who I, I really, I was surprised last year, I thought he would have a bigger year as Josh Martin, um, you know, really had his, his first shot to start last year. He was second on the team with 20 quarterback hits. 
and he, you know, he didn't come with, as we know, the Jets edge rushers didn't come up with a lot of sacks last year. You know, part of it is because the secondary wasn't very good. The other part of it is that the edge rushers aren't very explosive. But in terms of speed off the edge, I think uh, I've mentioned before, I kind of, I, uh, Josh Martin was kind of my, my dark horse guy. I pegged him to get six or seven sacks last year. Didn't happen. Off the top of my head, I think he had one and a half. Um, but again, 20 pressures, hits, whatever you want to call it. And I think that he's a guy who, with improved secondary play this year, could be a, a player there. But it has been encouraging to watch Lugu. Uh, you know, there have even been several plays where, again, as I mentioned earlier, not having a, a great view. There have been several times, you know, unable to see where he is in the play. But uh, because of the fact that Kevin Green is the outside linebackers coach, you hear about it. And in the couple weeks I've been out there, I've heard him, you know, screaming encouragement for picking up an assignment or not biting on play action or whatever it may be. He is definitely a guy who, who Kevin Green has been uh, talking up quite a bit so far throughout camp. And then, of course, there's Lorenzo Malvin, who has really, really hasn't done a lot for a guy who's who's been around for a few years now. And he's competing with the second and third uh second and third group going against second and third group offensive linemen. And we're not seeing, you know, as much pressure as you would like. I know for me personally, you know, you, you have to call it like it is. And he hasn't really made a lot of plays, but I really, you know, we know his backstory. We know the human interest piece. I really hope for that reason that he, that he sticks. And but being, you know, being honest and objective uh, minus a couple of plays that he made very early in camp, he hasn't really stood out at least, at least when I've been uh, when I've been looking looking at where he's been playing, so he hasn't made any plays. And you know the other aspect of that sometimes when I talk about this and how no you can't watch every guy in the field. Um, I also you know we all follow the beat writers and all that on Twitter. Um, I haven't seen a single word from it from any of the writers talking about how well he's played or or about him making any plays. That's just kind of what it is right now. But they do have to find. Um, but we're gonna pop to the phones real quick. We do have a caller. Uh, no call screener today, so this is uh, calling from 201 area code. What can we do for you, caller? Hey, how you doing, Glenn? It's Alex. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Uh, doing well, buddy. Look, really uh, enjoying all the feedback you've been putting on Twitter with the live updates from uh, Jets Camp. It's been really solid. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Sad this last day at camp. As many of you know, I live in England, so I will be flying back to the UK. from me. However, you know, the Jets beat is on top of things, and we are going to have a couple of folks, I believe, uh, last I communicated with our people. We're going to have a couple of people out there. The, the thing that makes this year tough for people covering the team is that this, this few days they're taking down in Washington. There's going to be about a 10-day break where there's no practices at Florham Park, which you just don't see that during preseason. Um, so it's going to be a wide gap and then only about another week of coverage. But thank you for the uh, the kind words, Alex. What did you have a specific question for us? Uh, yeah, I was just wondering. Um, you know, I've been hearing a lot of good things um, with the tight ends and a lot of uh, talk about the wide receiver competition mm-hmm. um, today. There were some things mentioned about uh, players like Chad Hansen um, being running with the threes, where I guess some of us may have thought he would be with the second tier squad. So do you got, do you feel that there's a possibility that Hanson um, has an, the opportunity to break into the number two team and, you know, can he crack that starting role at some point in time down the line? Well, we actually talked about this a little bit before we went on the air. Um, the tight ends have looked phenomenal. 
Um, you know, not that I don't like, uh, you know, reporting good news, but I've almost gotten tired of saying in every single recap, tight ends look good today. Tight ends yep. look good today. Tight, I mean, every day these guys are making plays. Whether or not it translates to games remains to be seen. I would be surprised if it doesn't because Herndon and Sterling specifically, but as I've mentioned in a couple of articles, um, just in the last week or so, Clive Walford went from being sort of, I wouldn't say quite invisible, but not as noticeable for the first week. And this last week, he's really turned it on. Jordan Leggett, as far as I'm concerned, is in danger of, of not making this roster now. He can't stay on the field. So you've got Tomlinson, Sterling, um, Herndon. You know, these guys are making plays left and right, diving plays, diving touchdowns. It, um, the best the best play of camp today came from Neil Sterling, back right corner of the end zone on a ball lofted up by Teddy Bridgewater, kind of contorted himself, kept his feet in bounds, made the touchdown catch. So the tight ends have been phenomenal. The wide receiver competition has been excellent. Um, especially now with Terrell Pryor being back this week um, and, and getting some full reps. Um, and uh, Harrison, what, what are your thoughts on Hanson? We talked about him earlier. Uh, yeah, what's interesting with Hanson is before training camp started, when you look at OTAs and everything, when it was just shorts and T-shirts, he was looking very good. He showed flashes. He showed bursts. He was making good catches. He was really impressing the coaching staff. But ever since the pads have gone on, he's pretty much disappeared. I mean, he's on the field. We see him, but he's not breaking past the corners. He's not really getting open. It could be, we don't possibly maybe a strength issue at the line of getting open and breaking past the corners, but he's really disappeared a lot since the pads have come on, which is kind of disappointing. One wide receiver, though, all the receivers have looked good up to this point, but one that's really just stood out has been Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor has looked unbelievably good up to this point, making excellent catches, catching basically almost everything thrown his way. Uh, just yesterday, he made a great one-handed catch with his right hand. Uh, he's making great one-handed catches, great reads, and he's just so much taller than everybody else. It looks like he could be an excellent, not just a great receiver, but a phenomenal look for the red zone. Yeah, we've, uh, we've talked, I- I've talked quite a bit this offseason about what uh, Terrell Fry and Robbie Anderson could bring in it. That was, uh, I actually did a, a very quick piece on it this morning. It was uh, within a span of about three minutes, two of the best plays of camp happened, and both came from those two guys, uh, Robbie Anderson, and it wasn't against any slouch either. Robbie Anderson matched up one-on-one against Tremaine Johnson in the red zone, made a one-handed catch with Johnson draped all over him, and then about three minutes later, Sam Darnold was up, and he lofted a, he lofted a ball to just about the same spot, just got a lot more air under it, and and Terrell Pryor just elevated, reached up, snatched it out of the air. <clears throat> Pardon me, snatched it out of the air and held on. It was a great catch. So you know, uh, a quick a quick sneak peek in that small window of just how how good those two players can be. Both you know, Robbie's listed at six three. I think they're I think Terrell Pryor's listed at six four. You look at him out there, he looks like he's about six six. That is true. Um, and so, you know, those two guys on the outside, and I've been saying it from the moment they signed prior, they, they should be able to open things up underneath, which is what makes the tight ends, the way the tight ends are playing, it makes it that much more exciting. Because you just kind of envision, if I'm going to put Robbie on one side and Terrell on the other, and I'm going to send them both on a go route, you're going to pull some safeties away, and now you're going to have linebackers underneath trying to cover guys like Herndon and Sterling, who, you know, Sterling don't forget is converted wide receiver. So he's got plus, he's got plus receiver skills, and Herndon as well has made some dazzling catches in camp. So, uh, you know, people that are writing this team off and saying they don't have weapons is just not really aware of what's going on. But that, that's basically the breakdown. The tight ends have looked fantastic. Um, even, you know, as we know, Tomlinson's not the receiver of the group. He doesn't have the athleticism, but he does, he does catch the ball when, it, you know, when his number is called. The receivers top to bottom have looked good for the most part. 
And um, you know, again, Hanson, even Stewart, they've been they've been fairly quiet. A um, little disappointing, to be honest. Any uh, anything else for us, Alex? Yeah, one last thing. Um, there was some buzz being talked about with the cornerback positions and how they were lining up. Some people were confused or uh, maybe concerned with Buster Screen lining up on the outside and Morse Claiborne being lined up in a nickel position. And I was just wondering if this is something that you guys have seen them do, um, you know, over the last week or two. And uh, what's your perspective on it? Because the way I feel about it is that, you know, some the, the number two wide receivers seem to get overlooked a lot, and it's always usually the big big threat, number one, and it's usually uh, the wild card is the slot receiver. So are the Jets trying to maximize their coverage potential by moving Morse Claiborne into the nickel position and leaving Buster screen on the outside and blanketing him with, you know, Marcus May or Adams covering deep for him and giving a little extra support in that area? Uh, what have you guys seen? Um, I'm going to be totally honest and say if that's been going on, it's been it's been happening uh, infrequently enough that I haven't seen it at all. Um, again, it, entirely possible I missed it, but I've not seen I, I've not seen anyone tweet it, and I think I follow everyone on the beat. So it, anytime I've seen Claiborne, and Claiborne has had a nice camp for himself. He had another another nice play today uh, against Sharon Peak in the end zone, where Peak looked like he was going to make a catch. And, uh, and it wasn't a drop. It was just absolutely perfectly timed by Claiborne. He just swatted the ball out of his hands. Um, and he's had quite a few passes defended. He's looked really sharp out there. So I've not seen him lined up in the slot. I would be surprised if he does line up in the slot. I think uh, in, in talking about the cornerback position, there's a lot to be excited about right now because of the way Derek Jones and Perry Nickerson have looked early on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's five guys who can play corner, and that's not including Darrell Roberts. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not quite anointing Jones a starter yet, but he's done some things that have really stood out. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Derek Jones and, and it's nice to see late end draft picks kind of coming to fruition. And hopefully this guy continues to just improve his game because, you know, going on into next season, we'll be addressing the cornerback position again. It would be nice to have a homegrown guy kind of reach his yeah, ceiling and, and, and move there's up. Been, there's been some talk though, um, that uh, we were talking about earlier about Bashad Breland, weren't we? Yeah. <clears throat> What's really fascinating about Bashad Breland is uh, if you look at his play. That, that the Jets showed interest. We're, we're yeah. not saying he's had a visit or been signed. Exactly, the yeah. Jets have shown There's interest. just been interest. There hasn't been any visits yet. Nothing's been planned. Just, just interest in general. But what's interesting about him is I was reading a little bit about him, and it looks like he's actually been more productive in the slot than he actually has been as an outside corner. Not to say he's a bad outside corner, but he's been very, very excellent. Actually, PFF did a, a report saying back in 2016, he was one of the top three corners in the entire league in the slot, which is actually very impressive. So who knows if they're going to bring him on? Who knows if they have interest? But it could be an interesting option to bring him in as a slot or possibly outside receiver. God forbid something did happen to Claiborne with his crazy injury history. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, Breland is such a good player. The fact that he's I think he's visited seven or eight teams now, still yep. not signed after signing originally with Carolina, had, you know, the deal with Knicks because he felt his physical. But, you know, multiple reports have come out over the past couple of weeks saying the Jets are interested. I know the Patriots had him in the other day. But if you're talking about making changes in the slot, that would be one I'd be all for is yep. uh, Breland for screen. But um, anything else for us, Alex? Bob, that'll be all. Thank you guys for answering my questions. Safe travels uh, to you, Glenn. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Hey. Anytime, man. Take care, Alex. Be well. All right. All right. What do you got next for us, Harrison? What's your uh, What's your next topic? 
Oh, well, my next topic seems to be one of everyone's favorites, (laughs) the quarterback competition. So what's fascinating is Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater have looked excellent. They've been very good, making good decisions. Bridgewater's made a couple of bad throws, a couple of bad decisions, but it hasn't been a massive trend. Darnold, he has looked good, but good from a rookie sense. I mean, keep in mind, he is a rookie. Rookies do have growing pains. They do make mistakes. He has had issues. If you look at him, he has, in the last two days, he's overthrown about four or five passes out of the 14 or so he's thrown. Uh, he and, we're, and, we're, and we're talking just on deep balls. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, he, he hasn't been perfect. He's thrown some incomplete passes. He's overthrown guys on short routes. But but I, I think what you're saying is he struggled with his deep yeah, ball a little bit. Exactly. Specifically on the deep balls. He has a very high uh, overthrow rate, which is a little concerning. Uh, also, he's thrown three interceptions in the last two days. And it actually should have been four. One was dropped, and it should have been picked. So, again, he is a rookie. You do expect these things. When he does the making the mistakes, one thing I do like is he doesn't seem to be blaming anyone. He doesn't seem to be getting angry. He seems to be understanding that it's on him, and he seems to be progressing. But he does have work he does need to make, specifically in that long ball. Yeah, I think I think in looking at him, you know, having been out there and, and, and seen him uh, each day going from one day to the next, that, that and I tweeted out the other day, if I had to pick one area where he struggled, it's been the long ball. Which really, you know, this early on, it doesn't bother me because he's still building a rapport with these guys. Um, you know, it's it's only been a week and a half. He's, there's going to be some 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 of the some of the the misfires on the the long the long balls. You can tell have been miscommunications. I've seen receivers break in and Donald throws the ball as if they're going to break out, and it, you know, just little stuff like that. But there have been the uh, a couple of underthrown deep balls, a couple of overthrown deep balls. And uh, J.J. Wilcox was the beneficiary of that yesterday. He actually he picked uh, Donald off twice. One was on an overthrow. I think he was trying to hit Robbie Anderson down the left sideline. Um, it sailed over his head, and he came up with it. And then later in practice, he was trying to hit Robbie Anderson, and the ball came up short. J.J. Wilcox was able to get there, get under it, and make the interception. So he hasn't been perfect. Uh, but I will say, you know, that's not to say he hasn't done some things that, you know, that you can see he's kind of wise beyond his years. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, he's there are, again, it, th- this is a matter. This isn't saying Donald hasn't looked good. This is saying that's the only thing that looks bad yeah. has been the deep ball. Everything else is whether it's going through progressions, whether it's throwing the ball through tight windows, whether it's making checks at the line um, when he sees a coverage that he doesn't like. He's you know rollouts. We've talked about this. We we know it from college. He throws the ball so well on the run. So you know if, if you if you're going to make a list of ten things. Uh, you know, right now, Donald is checking the boxes on nine of them yeah. uh, with the one thing being the deep ball. So this isn't saying, oh, my God, let's panic. He's not throwing the deep ball. Um, it's just that's the, that's the only flaw that we've seen um, that I've seen and, and Harrison as well. Um, what was your next topic, Harrison? Oh, well, there's been a lot of very interesting uh, things going on in camp, a lot of good things we've seen. Uh, one could be definitely the running backs has been an interesting aspect. We seem to see a good split workload between guys like Powell and Crowell. Uh, Crowell has been a little on and off. For example, yesterday he did have a very bad fumble, but then today he had an outstanding burst through a gap, excelled right through straight into secondary, and Powell has looked really good in the receiving game specifically. Excellent hands, good catches. So the two of them seem to complement each other very well. I could definitely see them completely splitting the workload with Crowell being more of the ground and pound, Powell being more of the lateral guy with the receiving ability. Unless one of them seems to make a massive step forward, it seems right right now it's going to be a pretty even split between the two. Yeah, I think the uh, I think that's probably, you know, we'll probably see something like a like a 
50, 40, 10, something like that, with a third back getting some carries, whether it's Eli McGuire or Trenton Cannon, something along those lines. It's, uh, it's, it's been a good camp for a lot of guys. And, that, you know, I think one of the best things that I've seen, that, that the, one of the most encouraging things, especially during the live periods, is that we've seen, we've seen even battles. We haven't seen one side of the ball dominating the other. Um, you know, that was kind of a theme when Rex Ryan was in town for so long. Every year, I mean, that's you know, we we have these stacked defense just going up there and beating up Mark Sanchez every day, um, and you just kind of all the reports that it, you know the defense was overmatching the offense, uh, which you do see in camp. But at some point, you expect them to get to where it's a little bit more even, and that that is what we've seen of late. The the defense will have a couple of nice series, and the offense will come up and have a couple of nice series, and it, there's no one side of the ball just you know dominating the practice sessions, which is uh, again, it's a good thing because if if one side is dominating the ball, that means the other side's going out there and getting getting killed every day, and uh, that doesn't bode well with the you know moving moving on into the season. So that's uh, those are some observations that we wanted to cover today. Um, we're going to move on now to uh, one or two topics, and then we'll I'm going to run down the roster as quickly as I can. We'll, we'll be just under 90 minutes, so I have less than a minute per player. But um, as I said, there will be a lot of players with not a lot to say because. Again, some of these guys have only been with the club for a couple of days. Um, not everybody stands out, so we'll uh, we'll try to get that mode down. But uh, just to take just take a minute here, uh, the Cleo Mac thing. Um, I tweeted this out the other day that you know, as much as I sit here and say there's no way the Raiders are going to screw this up and and not find a way to sign Khalil Mack, I'm reminded of the fact that even though no, the Jets did not sign Kirk Cousins, I'm aware of that. But roughly one year ago today, I was sitting here saying, there's no way the Redskins are going to screw up the situation with Kirk Cousins. They're going to find a way to get him re-signed. Sometimes teams screw up, and sometimes they do it in a way that you can't imagine. I mean, who would think that whatever you think of Kirk Cousins, like him or not, he's still the best quarterback to hit the free agent market since free agency started. Guys of his caliber with you know a couple years' experience that have performed to his level do not hit free agency. Yeah. It should not happen, but it did. And now we're seeing Khalil Mack, not, not just that it's a contract squabble, but it's almost becoming a, a, a battle of wills um, between John Gruden and Khalil Mack. Who, and I like John Gruden. Um, well, I, I like some things about John Gruden. Uh, but the fact that he's let it get to this point and the fact that we're hearing that there has been almost no contact between the brand-new $10 million a year head coach and his best player, who might be the best defensive player in the NFL – it almost seems like the Raiders are sabotaging themselves. So while the one side of me says, stop dreaming, there's no way in the world they're ever getting this guy, there's the other part of me that says, you have a job to do, Mike McCagden, and you need to do your due diligence and make a phone call and see what the asking price is, especially considering the fact that the Jets, as we've said you know, a million times over, they're going to have anywhere between $1,000 load up here for him. Give him $30 million next year, $35 million, whatever. And then you bring that payment down over the next four or five years of the deal, however long you sign him for. And you bring that number down to a far more manageable um, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, a far more manageable number. So that's been some of the talk about, you know, whatever it would take to get the, to get Khalil Mack. I see people saying you know, I give up a one and a three. You're not getting him for a one and a three. Um, I think you're you're starting at a couple of ones. Yeah. When you're acquiring the best, arguably 
the best young defensive player in the NFL at a top three position in terms of importance. Um, and then you're going to have to pay him a bunch of money on top of that. But the Jets can afford to do that. And let's face it, you know I have a secondary with legit starting corners. You have two safeties to build around. You have some good run stuffers up front. Khalil Mack, or a player of that caliber, is that missing piece. Um, and I know we talked earlier. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say with Khalil Mack, which is quite interesting, <clears throat> is like you were saying, uh, he, he – uh, He's, he's, he's a younger guy, which is very good. He's one of the best ones in the league right now, which is excellent. But like you were saying, he could possibly wind up going. What I think could possibly be a reason for that, could if you look at John Gruden, John Gruden coached 10 years ago. It was one of the last time he coached. And they didn't seem to you know get into as much stuff like that back then with the, with the, the media and the back and forth. So I think it might maybe be John Gruden might be slightly out of his element a little bit, and he might be approaching it from more of an old-school perspective without trying to look at it with a new-age idea, and that might be what's upsetting Mac slightly. But I think with Mac, like you were saying, he, is, he was, a, I want to say, maybe third overall when he was taken in his draft, maybe fifth overall. If the Jets wanted him, they would definitely have to give away possibly next year's first-round pick and the following year's first-round pick, and possibly more. But I couldn't see a single Jets fan, if they found that out and found out they were getting Khalil Mack out of that, being upset. Because like you said, he is arguably the greatest young edge rusher in the league right now. Yeah, so I, I, don't, see why, uh, I, I, don't, I don't see why anyone would be against that. I understand wanting to keep picks, but when elite young talents who are that young come available, uh, there's a price to be paid. And believe me, if Khalil Mack is made available – Somebody will pay the price to get him. And Jets fans, um, the same fans who don't want to give up too much to get him, when they're watching him make Pro Bowls and rack up 15 sacks a year, they're the ones that are going to be sitting there saying, how come we never get a guy like that? Um, guys like that don't come available often. If Khalil Mack is, then uh, the Jets need to at least make a call, find out what the price is. So yeah. now we're going to do a 90-man roster rundown as best I can. Um, we're going to maybe uh, have Harrison chime in on a few of these. So, and some of these will be, you know, cut and dry. Some guys are what you expect them to be, and there's not really a whole lot to say. So, starting, uh, we'll, do, we'll do alphabetically again, Jamal, Andrew, Jamal Adams. He's had himself a, a good camp. He's all over the place, as you would expect him to be very vocal, doing all the things he did last year. Um, still, the guy still can't, get a, still can't get a pick. I've seen a couple of plays where um, w- one that I talked about last time when he had a, an opportunity at an interception and he, he, he pulled up to avoid colliding with Jermaine Johnson. And then the other day he had a ball go right through his hands. And as much as he talks about how he's going to have a big year and, you know, a ton of interceptions, as I've said, if you look at his college numbers and last year, his first pro season, um, him getting a lot of college, him, him getting a lot of college, uh, or, sorry, him getting a lot of interceptions, is unlikely. Um, he didn't have a lot in college, and he had none of his, his first year as a pro. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he won't. I'm saying he hasn't had any, and he, we've seen him drop more interceptions um, than we've actually seen him intercept, which, of course, could be one, as he doesn't have a pick yet. But still a good player, still a guy. As I, you know, I, I think I mentioned last time he's a guy, if you want to increase his impact, maybe you use him off the edge a little bit more. Henry Anderson's been rotating out on the D-line with Nathan Shepard. He's looked absolutely fine. Health doesn't seem to be an issue. That was a concern with him coming over from Indy. He's been healthy. He's been getting plenty of push when he's in there, uh, playing quality football against the run and the pass. Robbie Anderson, he's been doing what he does. He gets open deep. Uh, He's he's made some big plays. As I mentioned, he had the uh, the one-handed touchdown catch yesterday. Absolutely fantastic play. 
George Atkinson, running back that many of you probably have not heard of, and after this season probably will not hear of. Uh, the Jets just with with the backlog they have at running back with with Powell, Crowell, McGuire, and um, and Trenton Cannon. You know, they're, they're, no one's carrying five back. They might not even they may not even carry four. So Atkinson is a camp body who I will say he's, he's shown some he's flashed some nice cutback ability um, in his limited action, but he's just not a guy who's who you're going to see stick around. Alex Balducci, we talked about him earlier. He converted defensive lineman from Oregon. He's only been back for a couple of days, so it's really tough to give a, a fair evaluation of a, of a guy who's been back as a part-time player for two practices and one of them being a walkthrough. Hang on one second. Sorry, well, hang on one second. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, no, no. That's, uh, go ahead. Uh, we're going to hear about uh, Kevin uh, David Bass now. Uh, yeah, so David Bass is an interesting story. As you know, he played pretty well last season. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he had more sacks than any of our other linebackers at the time. He played on limited snaps, didn't he see the field that often. But when he did see the field, he happened to have three and a half sacks at the end of last year, which were career highs for himself and highs for all of the Jets. So it'll be interesting to see if they give him more playing time, if maybe he becomes the permanent edge rusher, can he get more than three and a half this year? That'd be something fascinating to see. Yeah, and Bass is a guy who has missed the last few practices, so not a, not much of a change from what uh, what we said last time. Um, last time I discussed him, and he's a guy that you know. If you listen to the show, you heard me say a few times during the offseason, why isn't this guy back yet? Um, glad he is, even if it's as a situational guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if he won that job. Kelvin Beecham, as we know, uh, did not participate in the green and white scrimmage with a foot injury. It was uh, sort of unexpected. Nothing had been leaked prior to that. Just kind of showed up at at, uh, at the green and white wearing a boot week to week. Uh, Taylor Bertolet, uh both kickers have been pretty consistent. Neither has really stood out above the other. So that competition is probably, that's just going to be determined in games. And I would expect the Jets to go with the veteran. We talked earlier about Ben Braden, the second year guard. He's looked impressive um, getting some work with the ones and, and getting work with the ones on, on multiple days. So clearly he's doing enough that the, the coaching staff wants to see a little bit more of him. Teddy Bridgewater, one thing, one good thing I, I can note about him is that from the start of camp till now, we're definitely seeing a, a little bit more zip on his fastball. So he seems to be coming on after a, a little bit of a slow start in terms of velocity, his accuracy. We've seen, we've seen him drop some beautiful passes in between defenders, uh, you know, hit Robbie the other day on a ball that he just dropped perfectly over uh, the corner and the safety dropped it right into Robbie's hands. So Teddy's been the, you know, he's done a really good job, but all the talk about him, I just feel like he's Teddy trade chip because, you know, the chances of him hanging around are not very good. The Jets will probably want to get something for him, but uh, if, you know, they're going to roll him out there, I would imagine he'll play at least a half against Atlanta uh, on Friday and we'll see how that goes, how they divvy up the reps. But don't be surprised if McCown doesn't get a single rep because let's face it, he, he played one preseason series last year and he was absolutely fine. So, you know, I don't think – I think the Jets might just say, let's roll uh, Teddy out there for a half and Josh for a half, showcase Teddy and develop Josh. So we'll see where they go with that. Terrence Brooks has been fantastic. Terrence Brooks had a, a perfectly timed uh, broken up pass today, defending against uh, Eric Tomlinson. And he's a guy that, you know, this is a deep safety group. I talked about it the other day, uh, did a piece this morning or yesterday, I forget – highlighting the depth on this, this roster up and down. There are some positions where they are, you know, four or five guys deep and safety is one of them. And, and, and that's part of the reason 
because Terrence Brooks has looked really good. Brandon Bryant hasn't done a lot, uh, so I'll get a, a QB pressure. Or probably would have been a sack on a safety blitz near the end of the session yesterday. But, again, undrafted free agent, he's going to have a really, really hard time making this roster. Justin Burris hasn't stood out one way or the other. It's kind of a pedestrian camp so far, at least from what I've seen, or at least since we last broadcast. Trenton Cannon, the guy who's stealing a lot of the uh, a lot of the, uh, the the Twitter sphere traffic. He's you know everybody's really high on him, and much like you know, kind of how I said earlier, I'm almost at the point where I'm tired of tweeting about the tight ends. Um, I'm tired of saying Trenton Cannon gets to the edge, shows good burst, shows good speed, because he just does it again and again and again. And he's displayed great hands. He's, you know, he's been good in pass protection. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm anxious to see him in, you know, in, in uh, actual game action when they take on the Falcons. We talked about James Carpenter already. He hasn't had a great camp. We talked about Morris Claiborne. He's been really good. He's looked healthy. He looks strong. Jeremy Clark, um, trying to recall if this was before or after the last show. But uh, happy to say it again, he, he has looked really good. And the most impressive thing he was able to do was um, earlier in camp going one-on-one with Robbie Anderson. He ran down the sideline with him stride for stride, stayed in his hip pocket. And, uh, and he, had, he, had a, he had a really nice pass breakup yesterday as well in the red zone period on a, ball to, uh, on a ball to Robbie Anderson. He was able to elevate and bat the ball away from Robbie. So he's doing some, some things really, really well. Um, Xavier Coleman's another guy. If I mentioned him this offseason as a, you know, this is, of course, before I knew they were going to draft Harry Nickerson. And Coleman was a guy that I said, don't forget this dude, because I can see him making the roster as a nickel guy. Um, just be based surely on depth, he may not. But I've seen him make quite a few, uh, quite a few plays where he's breaking, breaking up passes, diving in front of receivers and getting a hand in there. So Xavier, uh, Xavier Coleman, it, it really has surprised some people. Xavier Cooper has done a nice job on the D-line. Um, as we know, the guy who took over from Mo last year when Mo wanted to, uh, Mo didn't feel like playing football anymore. So Cooper did a really nice job there. And Brandon Copeland has been lining up. He's been getting first team reps with Frankie Louvre. You want to talk a little bit about Brandon Copeland? Yeah. Copeland has been very intriguing to watch. Another guy with very prototypical size. What's fascinating with him was he used to be a much lighter player and wound up putting on a decent amount of weight because of that. And which has given him excellent speed. For a guy his size, he moves quite well. He's got great lateral ability. Uh, He did okay last year with the Lions. He didn't have too much playmaking. They didn't use him too much. But again, he's got that prototypical size, prototypical speed. He runs, I want to say like a four, five, something 40, which for a guy his size is, is very impressive. So he's one of those guys that could definitely be coming on as one of the edge rushers. Yeah, he uh, he got some first team reps with Frankie Louvu, and um, as a matter of fact, it, it, if you recall with the he actually didn't play last year. Uh, he was injured. But you're you're talking about 2016. Yep, sorry, yeah, that's um, what I meant. Yeah, it was when he last when he last played with Detroit. So he was a special teams guy, substitute linebacker, and there was talk early in camp. I remember Rich Samini saying that uh, Copeland was getting some first first team reps during OTAs and minicamp as well. So the Jets, listen, they need an edge rusher. Everyone's going to get a look whether it's Donahue, whether it's Lugu, whether it's Copeland, whether it's Squatchum, um, everyone's going to get a look at some point. But he's the guy at the moment who, who's been stealing those first team reps. Um, Isaiah Crowell, we talked about earlier. One thing you know, we've seen from him is that he, he catches the ball much better than a lot of people realize. Uh, I know a lot of people mentioned to me that they, you know, they didn't think he was a, a receiver out of the backfield. Had himself 40 catches a couple of years ago. He's, you know, it's something he's, he's able to do if he's asked to do so. Sam Darnold. Um, 
like I said earlier, yeah. deep, deep ball issues aside, what, what we're seeing from this guy has been fantastic. Um, from, from the things that I've liked the most, what's impressed me the most about Sam Darnold, um, how often you see him go to the line and confidently audible out of what play is called. Um, and then you'll see him throw on the run and just and rip a throw between it, you know, through a tight window and hit his receiver in the chest. And, you know, these are plays and throws that you just you're not used to seeing young young Jets quarterbacks make. Um, you know, I think as Jets fans, we, we've had so much bad quarterback play and we've had so many bad young quarterbacks that you find yourself getting excited over completion. You know, just just a completion. Um, you know, Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, just, you know, the fact that they get the ball to a receiver, you're impressed. This guy is rolling left. He's rolling right. Um, and, and again, making the tight window throws in the red zone. He's been fantastic. That's where he's been at his best. Even when he threw a couple of picks yesterday between the twenties, he threw four touchdowns in the red zone period. Um, he threw three during the green and white scrimmage um, or the practice before I forget, but either way in the red zone. And if I'm not mistaken, he only threw one red zone interception last year at USC. So Sam Darnold, as I said earlier, if if you made a if you made a, a list of ten things, you know he's he's ticking the box on nine of them right now, and it's it's as encouraging as can be. I'm I'm trying to remain as as um, as calm as possible because if you're a Jets fan, it's it's exciting to see and hear these things. But let's face it, sometimes guys shine in uh in practice and they fizzle out in uh, in games. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I've just seen it enough times that I'm trying to reserve my my uh, trying to contain my excitement, I guess is what I'm, what I should be saying. So from Darnold, we go to Dylan Donahue. Honestly, haven't seen a ton out of him. A couple pressures here and there, but uh, but not not as much as I had hoped for the second year guy um, under Kevin. You know, guy Kevin Green is taken under his wing. Dakota Dozier's looked solid. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of his. He's uh, he's doing a good job of dropping anchor, holding his own against some of the better linemen on the team when he's been called upon to, you know, or when he's been, uh, especially in the, I noticed in the one-on-one passing drills, he's done really well. Lackland Edwards has been booming the football out there. You know, we know that from year one to year two, his numbers went up considerably. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this year as he enters year three, he's been, uh, he's been fantastic in camp. Yeah. Um, as, as and he's, once again, he's the only leg in camp. And I think it's because the Jets just feel that comfortable with him that they, they, they know he's the guy. Uh, nothing always out with a thumb. He had a cast on yesterday, a cast or a wrap, whatever it was. Today it was gone, so that's a good sign. Uh, full of runs of Fadakasi. You want to go ahead and cover him? I know you're a big fan. Uh, yeah, uh, big fan because he does. Uh, he is a Long Island native, which is nice. He does come from the area. He does uh, is a New York guy. Uh, we haven't seen that much of Fuller Runsu. We have seen a little bit of him. But mainly with the seconds and the thirds, and we haven't seen too much because we've seen a lot of other defensive guys stepping up, like you said, guys like Nathan Shepard taking reps with the firsts, guys like Henry Anderson taking reps with the first and the seconds, and then even guys like Mike Thomas coming in and stepping up astronomically. I feel that even though Fuller Runsu seems like he would be a great, he might not potentially make the roster just because there's so many guys ahead of him that are just playing at a higher level. Yeah, there are a lot of bodies there, and that's, you know, as it should be, we'll see, you know, the games are what's probably going to determine the, the fate the, the, the fate of, of these sort of fringe bubble guys. But I, I think at the very least, he's a, he's a practice squad guy. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. But I, he, he definitely had his moments where he stood out and you feel good about the pick and where they got him in the draft. 
Dimitri Flowers, the undrafted fullback, sorry to say he has not been nearly as good as I had hoped. Um, he's a guy that I'm hoping that when the games do start, maybe we see maybe we see Sam check down to him a couple times on some rollouts and give him an opportunity mm-hmm. to make some plays. The biggest issue for him is going to be that his blocking has not been up to par. He's get, you know, I've seen him get blown up a few times. And the, you know, one thought that someone shared with me the other day, it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not all that far fetched. You, you can't count out the possibility that perhaps Flowers and Lawrence Thomas, the other fullback who we'll talk about in a bit, maybe they, maybe they don't keep either one. Maybe they just, uh, I mean, a lot of teams don't use a fullback. And maybe the Jets, for for the rare occasions they want to use one, they line up uh, an Eric Tomlinson or somebody like that in the backfield because we did see them do that a little bit last year. And uh, carrying a fullback is something that a lot of teams aren't willing to use a roster spot on nowadays. And who can blame them with the way the games come along? Um, Antonio Garcia, it has been ugly. Uh, unfortunately, a uh, guy we all, a lot of us had high hopes for, thought we might have stolen somebody. But, um, you know, if I had to pick one thing, we we talked the other day, we talked about how, you know, he moved well on, you know, laterally, getting outside on screen passes, things like that. But other than that, when he's in line, he's getting steamrolled. Instantly, uh, you're kind of starting to understand why he didn't stick with the Patriots. Ovum Guachum, we've talked about, another edge guy, but more of the prototypical, you know, thing I like about Guachum, he's more explosive than the other guys, and he's got that length. He's got those long arms where a lot of times, a blocker and get a hand on the quarterback or get a hand in the quarterback's face, I should say. So he's a guy I'm really excited to see in game action. He did actually play some linebacker for the Saints a couple years ago and had a couple of sacks, but he's still a project as a converted college wide receiver, but an exciting guy to watch. Um, Chad Hansen, he's fallen off the map. As we said earlier, you know, the Jets beat out of, out of OTAs and out of rookie camp, or not rookie camp, but out of OTAs and mini camp. We're saying that Hanson had stood out and it looked like he's taken, you know, major strides. He's been largely invisible. Uh, Jonathan Harrison, offensive lineman, backup center, backup guard. He's, he's had some reps at right guard this week, as we mentioned. He's, uh, you know, the, there's a part of me that wants to be critical of the guy, but then there's a part of me that realizes with, with O-lines around the league being as thin and as bad as they are, he's not a bad guy to have around. And it does look like he's got a little bit of versatility, so that gives him a better chance to stick. Um, Thomas Hennessy, long snapper, man, he has been awesome. <laughs> he, he, Pro Bowl, he's going to the Pro Bowl this year. Thomas Hennessy to the promised land. Uh, no, but really, Hennessy's been fine. He's, it, you know, as they say with the long snapper, if you notice him, he's doing something wrong. And really, haven't noticed him out there. All the snaps have been on target. Chris Herndon, another star of yeah. this camp. Um, just consistently making plays, whether it's, uh, you know, showing up, uh, I took the time to watch him the other day on one-on-one blocking drills. He and him and Clive Walford as well, actually. Um, they both look fantastic, matching up one-on-one with linebackers um, during team periods. Just one catch after another. I, I can't recall a drop. I'm not saying he hasn't dropped any passes, but I can't recall one. I can't recall a single drop for him so far in camp. Um, and even if he has one or two, he, he's, he's more than made up for it with some of the acrobatic catches he's made. He's been absolutely fantastic. I know that the Jets beat has been tweeting about him like crazy. This is, you know, this uh, Donald Zahern is something we're going to be hearing for years to come. And I would have to disagree, or I would have to completely agree with uh, with that assessment. Uh, Neville Hewitt, you talked about earlier. Uh, he's a guy I didn't expect much from, to be honest. If I had to pick one player who has been the biggest surprise to me, it would be Neville Hewitt, especially the last few days. 
His coverage has been excellent uh, from the inside linebacker position. Even today, he got beat on a touchdown, but he was the one that was covering Sterling when Sterling made that unbelievable catch. And, I mean, Hewitt was all over him, so it, it wasn't bad coverage. It was just the ball was in a perfect spot, and the tight end made a great catch. Other than that, Hewitt's been, he's been showing up in the backfield. We've been seeing a lot of tackles for loss. And then in coverage, I mean, right now, again, it's, it's, just, it's just camp. You know, nothing, nothing's in stone. But I would say he's had a better camp than Darren Lee. Um, and I, I would feel comfortable saying so. So, you know, whether, whether or not that translates in, into anything and he makes the roster, we will see. But he has been really impressive as far as I'm concerned. And, again, with, with the background, it's a converted safety. He gives himself a good chance to make the roster. Ben Ajalana has been Ben Ajalana. Nothing, uh, nothing fantastic, nothing, nothing too bad, filling in at left tackle or getting some reps at left tackle. Darius James. He's, you know, undrafted free agent, not a ton of reps. He's been all right when he's gotten a look. Charles Johnson. Any thoughts on Charles Johnson? Um, I'm not sure how much of him you got to see. He made a couple plays today. Oh, uh, yeah. One thing I really liked about Charles Johnson, and I did notice this almost immediately, all the other wide receivers looked good. They were running. But he looked like he was really, really pushing himself. He looked like he was going above and beyond to try and stand out for the coaches, to try and really go that extra mile. He seemed like he was really going full speed, full power. He looks like a guy that may possibly stick on the roster as a, a later wide receiver, especially like Glenn was saying with guys like Chad Hansen, not really doing much as of right now, and guys like Ardarius Stewart with his suspension. So he definitely could stick on the tail end of the roster, but he's looked really good. Today, specifically, he looks like he's hustling really well. He definitely looks like he really, really wants to make this team, and it shows. Up and down. He started out really hot in camp. He cooled off a little bit, but the last couple of days I've seen him make some impressive plays. So he's a guy that keeps hanging around. And you know, as a, as a fifth or sixth receiver, you could do a lot worse. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, he's he's been what he is for the most part, shutting guys down, gives up the occasional catch, doesn't give up a lot of big plays. And even the, the play he gave up to Robbie yesterday it took a, a, an unbelievable effort from Anderson to pull the ball down one-handed. So you know, good on him. Derek Jones, we've talked about. No, nothing really to expand on there. He looks fantastic for a second-year guy, super athletic. Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse is a guy that I would put in the same category as Bilal Powell, and I think uh, – I don't want to spoil too much. I think one of our writers may have done a piece on this recently that, that is waiting to be edited. But basically, Powell and Curse are just – you can put them in the same category. Like, they're both ultra-professional. They know their jobs. They show up. They do it well, and they do it quietly, and you sometimes forget about them. You know, I, I saw Curse make a fantastic catch the other day. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't think I've written anything or said anything about him in a couple of weeks. And he just, he's, he's such an underrated guy. And, and, you know, every time I, I think back to the, the Seahawks saying that uh, Mike McCagnin insisted that he be included in the Sheldon Richardson deal, um, I'm very happy he did because he's an absolute pro class guy who's, who's had himself a really good camp, as you would expect. Darren Lee, up and down camp. Um, looked really good the first few days the pads came on, but the, the issue with him is, uh, is still pass coverage. We're seeing him get beat. Um, we're seeing him and, – and, and as far you can see him get frustrated. You know, a lot of times he reacts because he, he's there. He's, you know, whether he's covering a, a tight end lined up in the slot or, or a back out of the backfield, he's keeping up with guys. He's just, for whatever reason, it's not clicking, and he's not getting those passes defended. He's not breaking anything up, and, uh, you know, he's giving up some chunk plays. So this is a big year for him. This is a really big year for him. Jordan Leggett, we talked about. He's basically been on the sideline most of the time. He's a guy who's going to have a hard time making the team. 
if he doesn't get on the field in a hurry and start making some big plays because he is way behind right now in that competition. Spencer Long's been fine coming along, as we mentioned. Uh, not really a lot more to say about him. We touched on that earlier. Frankie Luvu, another guy we talked about already and how he has stood out to the coaches. He's to be uh, earning Kev- some favor from Kevin Green. Josh Martin I talked about earlier. He's having himself a solid camp. And a guy who, I, if I had to bet money right now, who would win that job, I would say Josh Martin wins that outside job. But there's still, you know, there's still <laughs> plenty, plenty time for that to change. We talked about Lorenzo Malden already. Marcus May has missed some time here and there, but when he's been in there, he's been he's been himself. I don't I don't recall any uh, any interceptions from him, any turnovers, but he's he's missed some time. He limped off a couple of days ago, and uh, and I think he came back later in practice, so he, he got nicked up a little bit. And he's been he's been on and off the field with little nagging things here and there. Trey McBride's a guy just just kind of steadily hanging around. Uh, he was a guy that I thought you know we had a couple good practices early on. Kind of expected him to fade into the background. I didn't think he had a really good shot. But as you see, Chad Hansen and Ardarius Stewart struggling to really do and make make any plays. Trey Mc, for example, Trey McBride yesterday made a on a it was a I believe that it was situational. I think it was fourth and one. Uh, from the one-yard line or two-yard line, and Darnold threw a dart on a slant to McBride, and he made this sort of lunging, diving grab for a touchdown um, type of play we haven't seen from Chad Hansen. Excuse me. Um, Any thoughts on Josh McCown? Um, That's the thing. McCown is Josh McCown. I mean, if you look at the snap count, specifically as we've been looking at for the last couple two days, He's only taken two snaps or so while you're seeing Bridgewater getting close to five or six. You're seeing Darnold getting close to seven or eight. I think that's because, as all of us know, we know what we have in McCown. I mean, he's a 39-year-old veteran. He's been well-proven. He had an excellent season the last season, doing pretty well, putting up uh, very good numbers, doing a lot what everyone didn't think he would do. A lot of people thought it wouldn't be as productive as he was, yet he was with a good completion percentage. So I think we we already know what Josh McCown is. We know that he is an excellent game manager, that he – could potentially win some games, but as we all, as Jet fans are looking forward to, we're hoping that though McCown does look great, we're kind of looking toward that future, because as we know, McCown is 39 years old. He's not the long-term answer. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, there's Eli McGuire is next on the roster, but of course he is out with a foot injury. Not a lot to report there. Steve McClendon missed the last few practices with an injury, but um, he, you know, he's another steady pro. You know what you're going to get. Doug Middleton, yeah. Let's talk about Doug Middleton. He's a guy, again, part of that deep safety group. This team legitimately has five safeties who I think could start for other teams. I mean, this is a deep, deep group. Doug Middleton, an undrafted free agent who stuck with the team a couple of years ago, spent last year on IR, fully expecting to make the team again this year. Um, just he fills in for, as I said, um, Marcus Mays missed significant time this camp. Whenever Doug Middleton's in there, you, you don't need, the defense doesn't skip a beat. Great instincts, always around the ball. So Middleton, you got to like what you've seen. Kevin Minter, part of that, you know, again, speaking of the, the depth on this roster and the spots where they do have it, inside linebacker is another one, and Kevin Minter is part of that, a proven pro. He was actually – no, I was going to say he's the one that dropped the Darnold interception yesterday, but that was actually Avery Williamson. Um, and it was a gimme, folks. It was right – I mean, it was in his hands and he couldn't hold on. But uh, Minter's, you know, he's having a solid, unspectacular camp. He's the type of guy, if he makes your roster, there's nothing wrong with that. Perry Nickerson, unfortunately, tweaked his hamstring last week. We haven't seen much of him. He was just, he was looking fantastic um, up until that, that yeah. hamstring injury. And the Jets, 
absolutely doing the right thing. Play it safe. Don't don't let him on the field. I don't care if he doesn't see the field for another three weeks. Let him get healed up. You don't want that to linger all year. Um, Sharon Peak is back. The red jersey is off, uh, but he's probably an odd man out. Let's be honest. Um, with his speed and size combination, he's a guy you'd like to see make the roster. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, Sharon Peak, I feel, is a very interesting prospect because, yes, as of right now, he is a, a big long shot to make the roster. He hasn't really done anything to separate himself like guys like Pryor have, like guys like Anderson have done, like Curse has definitely done. But it's very interesting, uh, Peak. I, I was a big fan of him coming out of Clemson because when you looked at him, he was always overshined by somebody else. He was there when Sammy Watkins was there. He overshined him. He was there when Bryant was there. Martavius Bryant overshined him. He was there when DeAndre Hopkins was there. It seems like no matter what he did, he was always overshined by somebody. So it, I was just always very intrigued because he has that prototypical size and body to see if maybe – he was just not being utilized properly, but he hasn't really done enough to stand out as of now. So we're really going to have to wait and see. But I, I do feel he is an intriguing prospect because, like I was saying, in college, he just didn't get a lot of playing time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think he blew up his last year there, but he yeah. still he still spent uh, a lot of time behind some some legitimate, you know, NFL talent. So that, you know, kind of hurt his stock in the draft and being injured hasn't helped him and the depth they built the position in that time makes him a, a, a guy who will probably on the outside looking in, uh, which is a shame. I thought, you know, with his size speed combo, I thought he might be, have a chance to be a big contributor down the line. Uh, next on the list would be Mike Pennell. Again, those interior linemen, those nose tackles, it's really tough to get a good look at them. I know he has been filling in for uh, Steve McClendon while he's out um, and Pennell's a guy you, you'd be absolutely fine with. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Louis, we've talked about quite a bit off the air, and I've talked about him on the show a little bit. He's a guy who absolutely, from what I've seen, is every bit as good, if not better, than Darren Lee so far in camp. Um, Unfortunately, he's missed the last few practices practices with an injury as well. But Kevin Pierre-Louis, folks, great instinct, shoots the gaps, um, and can cover, for my money, can cover better than Darren Lee can. So really, in Hewitt and and Pierre-Louis, you have a couple guys who could easily step in and maybe play better Todd Bowles does decide to sit Darren Lee if he struggles at some point this year, although highly unlikely as, you know, as we know, Bowles likes to stick with his guys um, until he absolutely has to sit them. Blah, pals, blah, pal. Mentioned him earlier. Not a lot to say. Pro's pro. Shows up, gets the job done, makes people miss, does what he has to do. <clears throat> Terrell Pryor only really started going full a few days ago, and he has looked really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, again, the, uh, the one-handed catch yesterday might be, I tweeted out, might be the best catch I've seen in camp. I know I've only been doing it for four years. I'm not, I'm not a guy who's been at camp for a decade now, but in four years of being able to cover Jets camp, that play might be the best play I've seen, um, by, by anybody. It was fantastic catch, uh, the way Pryor went up and got that. Brent Quale, he's the guy who's been filling in for Beecham at left tackle, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise for me. I really thought it'd be... I thought they'd be really, really heavy on Ajalana seeing reps at left tackle, but it's actually been Brent Quale, Thomas Rawls. Guess what, folks? Thomas Rawls has been injured. Believe, believe it or not, Thomas Rawls is missing time with an injury. I haven't seen him uh, other than being on the bikes most of this week. He's a guy who stood out early in camp. We talked about his issue being injuries. Uh, for a few days, his issues was, were ball security. He had a couple fumbles on consecutive days. Uh, well, a couple of fumbles, as in one on one day, one the next day. So he's having ball security issues, and now he's been on the bikes. 
and not practicing. Uh, Kendall Reyes is a guy he's only had a couple practices. Can't really say a whole lot. Did see him getting some push on the D-line. He's a guy, for those of you who remember, who had a career game, picked up three sacks against the Jets when uh, when the great Greg McElroy was under center. Um, didn't uh, Wasn't a big fan of letting go of the ball, so Reyes picked up a few sacks that day. Andre Roberts, potential punt returner. He's been getting the, the lion's share of the work back there. Trenton Cannon's been back there as well. And he uh, he muffed a couple too, well, at least one. He may have muffed a couple. He he looked he looked a little bit smoother yesterday. Today he had a little bit of a setback. So if you know failing to to get the handle on these punts, you're going to see Andre Roberts, a nine-year veteran, uh, make the roster strictly as a punt returner. Yep. Uh, which for me, I would like to see one of the young kids. Rashard Robinson, he he's just way too quiet for a guy with his athletic skills. You, you just have to start wondering is he going to be that 99th percentile athlete in terms of measurables who can put it together on the field. Because I understand why the Jets were intrigued by this guy, just looking at his numbers and looking at what he is physically capable of doing. But if he's not doing what he needs to do, that's, you know, that that's going to kind of be his downfall. Daryl Roberts, honestly, I haven't noticed him. So he's, he's either had a very quiet camp, um, I think, and, and it could be my own fault because I am when I'm out there. I'm I'm focused quite intently on Tremaine Johnson, Derek Jones, uh, Perry Nickerson when he was. When I'm looking at the corners uh, again. Daryl Roberts kind of falls into that category that you know what you've got: a solid fourth, fifth corner, maybe a third, maybe a third corner. So you know what you have in him. So I, I find myself not not looking for him as often as the other guys. Casey Rogers Jr. Hasn't done a lot to stand out, um, if I'm being completely honest. Excuse me, if I'm being completely honest. Cairo Santos, the kicker, who, again, I, he's the veteran who I would expect to win this job. Brandon Shell has been Brandon Shell. Nothing nothing spectacular, nothing terrible. He's a steady guy who, you know, his biggest issue, as I've said in the past, has been consistency. Nathan Shepard has proven that as a rookie, Albeit, albeit a, a older an older rookie at 24, so you may expect to some degree, but he's proven that he's a grown man and he can handle himself in the NFL. At least he has to this point. So once the blocking becomes real, we'll see how he does. But it's been a it's been a treat to watch him. Dakota Shepley hasn't really stood out to be again at least to me. To be honest, same. I think he I don't see how he makes this roster. I think when it comes down to it, they have enough interior guys that. They would keep uh, so we'll see what happens there. Terrell Singfield, another long shot, had a pick today. Um, you know, had an interception late in practice, and then Buster Screen. What are your thoughts on Buster Screen? Uh, I know we've we've talked about this person between the two of us. You see, a lot of fans really, really don't like Buster Screen. They like to make negative comments about him, say that we lose games because of him, that he causes a lot of penalties. Which he, the penalty thing, I may give you, but. He is um, basically around an average to slightly better than average corner, which in this current NFL is really more than you can ask for. If you look at a lot of other players, we look at guys like you were talking about before. Dow Roberts hasn't really done enough to stand out. Buster Screen has been making good plays in camp. We've been seeing him running very well, very athletic, very active. He's all over the place. Sure, he may not be that all-star, but he definitely is a solid slot corner option. Unless, like we were saying, if a guy like Perry Nickerson 
Harden steps up usually, or if for some reason they do choose to bring in a guy like Bashad Breland and let screen go. But he has been quite good, and he really hasn't given us any reason to say that we'd be scared to have him at this current moment. Yeah, screen is a guy who just uh, – I think he's better than fans give him credit for. He can be streaky. Uh, you know, he'll have a couple games where he where he does absolutely fine and there are no issues. But then he'll have a game where, you know, maybe a boneheaded penalty and then he'll get beat once or twice. And because of his, you know, because of his history, a lot of people overlook the fact that he actually had his best year last year as a Jet. Yeah. And I'm not talking just in terms of PFF grades, which, which they did give him his best grade. I really felt last year he had one or two disastrous games, but he had some really stellar efforts. So I, I think that Buster Screen is a guy that a lot of people expect to be gone by this point. He's still here, and he's you know is he going to be replaced by next season? Absolutely. I don't see them bringing him back, but I think he's here this year, and at least this year there's the depth that if he does get cold, if he does kind of go in the tank, there are some options behind him. But again, I don't think he's quite as bad, and, and again, especially last year, not quite as bad as some people feel he was. Neil Sterling uh, talked about him a ton, local guy at a Monmouth. Um, and he's just, he's been fantastic. We, we've talked a lot about his, his week 17 performance last year. His first time he was really targeted and he put up some pretty good numbers. He had 75, 85 yards receiving, whatever it was. And then our Darius Stewart, very quiet camp, um, you know, makes not, nothing, doesn't do anything that stands out that makes you say, you know, okay, he's made, he's taken that next step. Just, you just don't see it. Travis Swanson, the center we discussed earlier, not probably my least, but not probably definitely my least favorite acquisition this off season. And that's kind of played out a little bit in camp. Lawrence Thomas. I, yeah, I said it yesterday, uh, you know, whether or not he makes the roster, I applaud the jets for, for giving him a look at fullback because this guy, there aren't a whole lot of 280 ish pounds fullback fullbacks in the NFL. He looks like an absolute load coming down the field and he catches the ball smoothly far, far, far better than you would expect for a guy his size. But as we know by now, he is a guy who was recruited to play fullback at uh, Michigan State when he did go to college. Um, I, I really thought Flowers would find a way to take that job from him. I'm not. I think at this point, um, Thomas is leading. Uh, Lawrence Thomas is leading in that competition, and that's if the Jets do carry a fullback. Mike Thomas next on the list, the D lineman out of Texas Tech. I've talked about him. Moves much better than you would expect for a guy who weighs 325. Um, you know, the, there's film of him in college, keeping up with running backs. We saw him do it a little bit today against Trenton Cannon. Um, so, you know, no, he's not going to run. He's not going to run a 40 side by side, but, but he'll keep up with some of these faster backs for, you know, even if it's for a 10, 12 yard spurt, that that's a lot more than you'd expect from a guy that size. Eric Tomlinson, we've talked about no need to go into much detail with him. Jonah Trineman, uh, little-known guy. As I mentioned him in the, during the last show that, you know, he does show quick feet. You do see the speed, the explosion. Um, he's just – he's got so many guys ahead of him. And at six foot 190, the receiver at a BYU is going to have a really hard time making this roster. He did make a play on what may have been – I think you could make the case one of, one of Donald's best throws of camp. Uh, Donald rolled out yesterday well, – not rolled out. He, he, he was able to avoid pressure. Uh, so it, I, it wasn't a design rollout. He, Donald was on to his right, fired across his body, uh, deep down the left side of the field. And I believe it was Derek Jones in coverage and Jonah Trinman, uh, made a diving catch toward the left sideline. Just a really, really good catch from him. And, uh, a little bit more of that. And he'll give him a chance. To, he'll give himself a chance to make the, uh, the practice squad. Clive Walford, we've talked about, um, 
touched on the fact that he was quiet early on, but he's really come on. What, again, you know, you've been out there for a couple of days now. What, what were your thoughts on Walford? Oh, uh, yeah. Walford, very interestingly enough, he to, specifically today, he had a very up and down day. For example, uh, he had a bad drop from Teddy Bridgewater, was straight in the hands, hit him right in the hands, and it just fell out, completely dropped it. But then later on, Darnold made a slightly low throw, and he made a phenomenal diving catch. He dove, caught it, scooped his hands underneath to make sure the ball didn't hit the ground. So I feel like he's been hit and miss. He's had some cold plays and some good plays. He's going to have to really, really tone it up and keep up with those good plays, though, if he wants to make this roster. Because as we were saying, guys like Chris Herndon and Neil Sterling have just been lighting it up. The two of them have looked absolutely great. Yep, Lucky White has another guy uh, moving on to the next spot who's had, had himself a pretty good camp. Um, for me, you know, I, I don't know, I kind of look at the, the how long he's been in the league and how little he's done, and I, I find it hard to believe that he's suddenly going to blossom into a bigger playmaker. So my, does he have a chance to make the roster as a return man? I suppose so if they – if they like him better than Roberts. But uh, from what I've seen in camp, again, he hasn't looked bad, but I, I kind of get a little bit biased when I, when I look at his previous, uh, his, his past few seasons where he hasn't done a whole lot and he didn't really, he's never really jumped off the uh, jump off when you, when you watch him on film. Um, JJ Wilcox, another safety mentioned him earlier, two interceptions yesterday. Um, the second one, you know, as I tweeted out, it's, you know, sometimes people, I feel like when you say that one player is better than another, um, they interpret it as you're saying you dislike the player that they are better than. Uh, not the case at all. I tweeted out that Wilcox is a, an upgrade over Rontez Miles, who I absolutely love. Um, Rontez Miles, when you talk about effort, intensity, you know, he's the guy you want in your locker room. I completely understand why Todd Bowles is such a big fan of Rontez Miles. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you got to look at performance. To me, J.J. Wilcox brings more to the table. Uh, just a few more to go. Uh, we'll wrap these up real quick. Leonard Williams has been largely unblockable. Yeah. He's, he's been absolutely fantastic out there. Um, he's done a great job at that defensive end spot. Avery Williamson, he struggled from time to time in coverage. As I said, dropped the gimme interception from Sam Darnold yesterday, which was a little bit disappointing. But he's a guy, you know, there's going to be some questions about him. And for what the Jets paid for him, you'd expect him to be an every-down guy. But it's worth mentioning that, Dick Geron, who was one of the greatest defensive minds of this generation, was in Tennessee with him last year, and Geron would pull him on passing downs. So this could be a situation where do they view a guy like Kevin Pierre-Louis or Neville Hewitt as a guy who would come in and spell Williamson at times, which would make sense, but in the same time it wouldn't make quite as much sense based on the, the, uh, the amount of money they paid him. But it could also be a situation where um, – as we saw last year with Demario Davis, he's taking on Demario Davis's role, and they just they limited the amount of times they used Demario Davis in coverage. And Williamson is every bit as good, if not better, than Davis. Not saying much, but in that role, Davis wasn't asked to do it a whole lot. Williams Williamson may not be either. Anthony Wynn, great story, six feet tall, undersized guy, inside linebacker, out of FIU, Florida International. Concern with him is that he just. I don't think he's fluid enough. I think he's, you know, nice sort of in the box, in the goal line, run, you know, as, as a run-stopping linebacker. Not sure he has the athleticism to keep up or the size, really. Even if he had the athleticism, you know, you don't want a, a, a six-foot-tall linebacker um, with limited speed. You know, as much as people talk about Darren Lee being small, at least Darren Lee, he's got the athleticism to keep up with some of these guys. I don't think Anthony Wint does. 
Um, and last but not least, rounding out the roster, uh, close it out for us with Brian Winters. Uh, Brian Winters, as we know, a lot of fans really kind of got on him a little bit when they found out as when he came forward and said that he had that bad abdominal tear uh, last year, how painful it was for him, how he felt like even just waking up in the morning was excruciatingly painful. And a lot of people would question that and wonder, well, why was he playing at that point? But what's good right now is he seems to be quite back to his normal health. And the season before that, he actually was turning into one of the better guards in the league. He PFF had graded him as uh, in the 80s, which is quite good. So he was definitely at his best year the year previous. And he looks like he's coming back into that form. He looks solid. He looks strong. He looks like he's holding his own. Uh, and yeah, he's looked very good. So nothing negative there. And as long as he can stay healthy and his abdominals are fine, he's going to be hopefully a plus guard this year. Yeah. And I think the fact, you know, in thinking about it, we talked earlier about how we're seeing a heavy guard rotation. Um, you know, this could be just a matter of lightening his workload as a guy with an injury history while simultaneously getting a look at some of the other guys who would be called on to fill in for him. If he were to get injured again, again, he's never played a full season. Yeah. Um, if I, if I, he may have had a 14 or 15 game season, but I don't think he's ever played 16. So injury history for him means uh, fewer reps perhaps, and more reps for guys like Ben Braden and Jonathan Harrison. And that is it folks. That is the roster from top to bottom. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it was informative and I uh, just want to thank Harrison for joining us. It was uh, nice to get out to camp with him for a couple of days. Keep an eye out for his stuff on jetnation.com. Uh, Harrison, myself, uh, Will Snell, Dan Fika, all going to be, uh, you know, putting out as much content as we can, especially once the season gets rolling. So keep an eye out and uh, be sure to join us. This is, uh, what is it? We got a Wednesday night. We're going to do another show tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have Daryl Slater joining us as well as Christian Dyer, who uh, all of you are familiar with. So we'll get some uh, some some opinions from some some insiders and from some some other folks that uh, that cover the NFL and Christian, and uh, and of course Daryl Slater, who's been covering the team so far through camp. It's been uh, nice to be out there and have a couple chats with him. And he'll be on with us live tomorrow night, probably around six o'clock again. We'll see about that. But uh, that wraps things up for us. And is there anything you wanted to uh, close out with here, Harrison? Just want to say. Thanks. It was uh, it was nice to have you. Uh, yeah, it was it was a pleasure to be here. It was great to be able to come to camp. And it, this Jet fans, this is definitely a season to get excited about. As we know, we've been looking for our quarterback for a long time. Finally got our guy. It looks like a lot of the other teams, the rest of the team is clicking very well. The offensive line looks good. Really seems we just need to find someone who could be a decent edge rusher. But if that piece could fall into place, this really looks like a team to be very excited about this year. Couldn't agree more. A lot to be happy about right now, Jets fans. Have a great night.